1: at deloitte.com slash us slash
0: engineering advantage. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero setup developer-first environment combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features. Hello and welcome to Decoder. I'm Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge, and Decoder is my show about big ideas and other problems. We have a very special episode today. I'm not actually in the studio, I'm talking to Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on the Microsoft campus in Redmond, where just a few hours ago, the company announced the next version of the Bing search engine would be powered by OpenAI. That's the company that makes ChatGPT. You'll be able to chat with Bing, just like you can chat with ChatGPT. There's also a new version of the Edge web browser with OpenAI chat tech in a window that rides along with your web pages to help you understand them. Nadella has been very bullish on AI. He's previously talked about AI being the next major computing platform, and today he's openly hoping to use that tech to take on Google Search. That's right. While talking about how much AI can change the game, as said, most importantly, we want to have a lot of fun innovating again in search because it's high time. That's a pretty direct shot at Google. But the presentation was in-depth. It showed how OpenAI running in Bing and Edge could radically increase your productivity, make travel itineraries, post to LinkedIn, and even rewrite code to work in a different programming language. After presentation, I was able to get some time with Sacha, and I had a lot of questions. I wanted to talk to him about his partnership with OpenAI and why he thought now was the best time to go after Google and search. I also wanted to know how the money flows. How do the people who make all the content that gets scraped into the AI model get paid for their work? This is a short interview, but it's a good one. Sacha was very candid. Okay, Sacha Nadella, CEO of Microsoft. Here we go. Sacha Nadella, you are the CEO of Microsoft. Thank you for coming on Decoder today. Thank you so much, Nadella, for having me. Microsoft just announced a huge new version of Bing. It's powered by a bunch of OpenAI technology. A couple weeks ago, the company made a what was called a multi-billion-dollar, multi-year investment in OpenAI. Tell us what's going on.
1: Well, today's announcement is all about rethinking the largest software category there is, search, uh, with this new generation of AI, because it's a platform shift, and you get to sort of reimagine pretty much everything, right? Starting with uh, the core ranking. In fact, perhaps the most salient part of today's announcement is we've had the best gain in relevance in the core ranking using some of these large models. Second is, it's not just just a search engine, it's an answer engine, because we've always had answers, but with these large models, the fidelity of the answers uh, just gets so much better. Uh, And then we've incorporated chat right into search, which is grounded in search data. So you can do a natural language query, which is long, you get a great answer, and then you can engage in a conversation with that as the grounding or the context. So it's about basically essentially bringing, in fact, a more sophisticated model, larger model, next generation model compared to chat GPT and grounding it in search data. The other last thing we also added was a copilot for the web um, so that you in Edge can be looking at any website or any document on a website, like a 10Q, for example, and then do things like summarization. So, a whole lot of these features all coming together essentially as the new Bing.
0: A really interesting piece of the puzzle here is a lot of this is powered by OpenAI and OpenAI technology. OpenAI CEO Sam Altman was on stage with you today. You've been working with OpenAI for three years. But you haven't acquired them, you've made a huge investment into them. Why work with an outside technology vendor for the largest software category in the world?
1: First of all, you've got to remember the the relationship with OpenAI and our cooperation with OpenAI has got many facets. Mm -hmm. The most important thing is what we've done over the last four years is to actually build out the core infrastructure on which OpenAI is built. These large models, uh, the training infrastructure and the infrastructure doesn't look like just vanilla cloud, right? So we have had to essentially evolve Azure. Uh, To be pretty specialized AI infrastructure on which OpenAI is built. And by the way, Inception is also using Azure, Character.ai is using Azure. There will be many others who will also use Azure infrastructure. So we are very excited about that part. And then, of course, we get to incorporate these large models inside of our products and make those large models available as Azure AI. And in all of this, we both have an investment return and we have a commercial return. And so, we think we're well-placed to partner. Like, I will never assume that great partnerships can't be both great returns for our customers, shareholders, and Microsoft.
0: There's a lot of talk today uh, in a presentation about the values that are coming into Bing, about the safety work that's being done, about the responsible AI work that Microsoft has done for years. How do you make sure that bridges the gap to OpenAI, which is not your company, but obviously very tied very closely, and how do you make sure that your products inherit all those values even when you're working with an outside company?
1: Yeah, first of all, OpenAI cares about safety. I mean, in some sense, their entire inception was about how to think about safety in AI and alignment uh, in AI. And so, we share that, and we've had our principles, as we talked about it today, Nilay, which is since 2016, we published the principles, and ever since, quite frankly, we've been very focused on what I'll call the hard work of incorporating it in the engineering practice of building products, right? Starting with design, one of the things I think a lot about is when you have, let's say, a new model coming, it's probably most important to actually put human in the loop versus design the human out so that you can, in fact, ensure that the human agency judgment is what you use to train the model to be aligned with human feedback. So that's kind of what we're doing. Like When I look at even what we're doing in uh, bang is taking it even one step further. To even ground it in the context, which is search. So I always say, look, these generative models just don't randomly generate stuff. You prompted it. So there's a whole lot you can do in the meta prompt and the sequence of prompts you generate, which we can assist with. So there's a lot of, i would call it product design choices one gets to make of when you think about AI, AI safety. Then you, let's come at it the other way, right? You have to take real care on the pre-trained data. After all, the models are trained on pre-trained data. What's the quality, the provenance uh, of that pre-trained data? That's a place where we've done a lot of work. Second, then the safety around the model, right? At runtime, we have lots of classifiers around harmful content or bias, which we then catch. Uh, and then of course the takedown, ultimately in the application layer, uh, you also have more of the safety net for it. So this is all going to come down to, I would call it, the everyday engineering practice, and guess what? Search is like that. Search is an AI product. It's kind of interesting that we are now talking about a new algorithmic breakthrough in these large models. But we've always had AI models for you know, decades now, and we've really built you know, our sense of what is authoritative, how to detect authoritative, how to ensure harmful content doesn't get through. And those are all practices that will now be used.
0: So that leads me to, I think, the value exchange of search right now. So in a traditional search model, I ask Bing uh, some question. It might return some snippet, but it usually returns a list of links. I go visit a web page. The creator of that web page might capture some advertising revenue or something else. Now you're just answering the question directly, and you've trained the model on other people's information, other people's reporting, and being yeah, yeah. biased in favor of reporting. How do you make sure that they get the value back?
1: One of the biggest thing that is different about the way we have done the design, I would really encourage people to go look at it. This is about, like, look, look, at the end of the day, search is about fair use. Ultimately, all this content we only get to use inside of a search engine if you're generating traffic for the people who create it. And so that's why if you look at whether it's in the answer, whether it's in chat, These are just a different way to represent the 10 blue links more in the context of what the user Mm -hmm. wants. So the core measure, even what SEO looks like, if anything, that'll be the thing in the next multiple years. We'll all learn perhaps there will be new incentives in SEO to even generate more authoritative content that then gets in. Everything you saw there, had annotations, everything was linkable, and that'll be the goal, whether it's inside a search, whether it's in the answer, or even in the chat session. But if
0: I ask the new Bing, what are the 10 best gaming TVs, and it just makes me a list, why should I, the user, then click on the the link to The Verge, which has another list of the 10 best gaming TVs?
1: Well, I mean, that's a great question. But even there, you will sort of say, hey, where did these things come from? And would you want to go dig in? Like that, even Search today has that. Like we have answers. They may not be as high quality answers. They just are getting better. So I don't think of this as a complete departure from what is expected of a search engine today, which is supposed to really respond to your query while giving them the links that they can then click on, like ads, and Search works that way.
0: The reason I ask this is obviously when you say you're taking on the largest software category in the world of search, there's a dominant player in Google. If Google stops sending as much traffic from its search engine results page to publishers, to creators, to other websites, uh, regulators on the world would freak out because they have a dominant market share. Bing does not have a dominant market share. When you evaluate the risks both IP risks, legal risks, regulatory risks, you say, well, look, we don't have the share. We can take a step forward in how we present these results in a way that our competitor cannot.
1: That's not how I come at it. I'm just curious. I come at it primarily on today, if you look at the search category, it's great. It works 50% of the time. (laughs) It doesn't work for the other 50% of the time. So I think what really I want to do is to go back and say, look, is there some new powerful technology that can make a search a better product without fundamentally changing how search gets permission to even exist as a product, which is other people's content organized in useful ways so that users can find them. To me, that is the category. And so we will live and die by our ability to help publishers get their content to be seen by more people. Up to now, you're absolutely right, Google dominates this market by a significant margin. We hope, in fact, if anything, having two or multiple search engines, they're not just us, there'll be others who will be competitors, by having more, let's call it evenly spread search share, will only help publishers all get traffic from multiple sources. And by the way, advertisers better pricing, and so publishers will make more money, advertisers will make more money, and users will have great innovation. Oh, then think about what a great day it'll be.
0: (laughs) I'm eager for there to be more competition in search. What I'm curious about is if more and more people are producing more and more AI content, and that becomes the base layer that you're training against. So if instead of me writing a story about the Chinese spy balloon, I ask Bing to write such a story, and that gets fed back into Bing, eventually the amount of original content in the ecosystem begins to wither. Is that a feedback loop that you're worried about? Absolutely. But the way I look at it and say is what people sort of talk about. Like my daughter
1: sent me this unbelievable example the other day. She's taking some French lit class and she said, hey, I was using this AI tool to summarize what I was writing and it took me two hours Mm -hmm. because she was doing meta prompts and prompts and learned more about that text than ever before. And so I feel like a little bit, let's give ourselves a little permission. Mm To think about what is original content, because as I said, AI just, just doesn't generate it. You prompted it. You have a draft which you edit. Today, I mean, I would be unemployable but for the red squiggly and Microsoft <laughs> Word, because that's what helps me write anything. So I think we've used and we've evolved to use new tools. I think of it that way, right? I think it, yes, it'll create, you know, some of the drudgery of knowledge work may go away. Uh, but doesn't mean I won't enjoy. Like, in fact, the best place in LA, I feel it, is in uh, GitHub Copilot. Right? Coding, I mean, it's not like suddenly you're not coding. If anything, you're more in the flow of coding with some of these prompts. You in- read more code. You accept the more code. So I think it's just a different way for us to perhaps enjoy our knowledge work more.
0: That brings us to the second product, right, which is the co-pilot inside of the Edge browser. If you look at Bing, you have an opportunity now to capture market share from Google. If you look at Edge, you have an opportunity to capture market share from Chrome, potentially Safari if you go to the iPhone. Is that how you're seeing this? This is an inflection point. You have a new technology. You have a lead with this partnership with OpenAI. It's creating an opportunity for you to go take share, or is it... You're expanding the category and you think you can initiate new users anyway.
1: You know, I start always not from zero sum, but I sort of sort of look at them and say, hey, how does the category expand? How can we participate in that expansion? That's I think at mm-hmm. the foundational level. But at the same time, you know, there will be like these are these are places where the dominant browser is Chrome. I mean, forget anywhere else on Windows. Yeah. Uh, Google makes more money than all of Microsoft, right? So let's start there. So there's a huge opportunity uh, for us if we got got some additional share for, for whether it's our browser or our search engine. And so that's kind of how I look at it, which is let's build first a product that is. Competitive in the marketplace that's actually serving user needs uh, and like all things you nearly. Know, like I'm also I'm not a one-platform guy I'm like I want ask. I grew up in a Microsoft yeah. that sort this of this is
0: your big change in Microsoft Not really the show,
1: Microsoft right? that I grew up in because yeah. I have always remember <laughs> uh, that Microsoft software wait, like office was on uh, the Mac before mm-hmm. even Windows So that's kind of the Microsoft uh, that I learned from and I'll always make sure that our software is everywhere where users want it
0: It's been a relative period of calm between Microsoft and Google. There was a a previous period of, I would say, antipathy or more open antipathy. Recently, you've partnered on things like Android on some of your hardware. Um, You've partnered, I think, Microsoft 365 on Chromebooks is some partnership that was recently announced. Do you expect this new sort of head-on competition against their most important product? To change that relationship?
1: First of all, I mean, look, I have the greatest of admirations for Google and what they've done. And, you know, they're an unbelievable company with great talent. And, you know, and I have a lot of respect for Sundar and his team. So, therefore, I just want us to innovate, right? So, there's always, I mean, we compete today. Today was a day where we brought some more competition to search. We've been at it. Believe me, I've been at it for 20 years and I've been waiting (laughs) for it. Uh, But look, at the end of the day, they're the 800 pound gorilla on this, which is what they are. And I hope that with our innovation, they will definitely want to come out and show that they can dance. And I want people to know that we made them dance. And I think that'll be a great
0: day. What was the moment in the development of the product where you said, okay, it's ready? We should announce it like this with a pretty direct shot at the 800 pound gorilla? Was there a light switch that flipped for you? Was it committee decision? How'd that work? So
1: when I first saw this new model, because the model that you saw today is the next generation model, that's so. Is that from-
0: GPT 4? Or-
1: I let Sam okay. at the right time talk about his numbers. <laughs> okay, so it is the next generation model, and it's been done. As we said, we called it the Prometheus model because, as I said, we've done a lot to the model to ground it in search. Right. So the search use case is pretty unique, and so we needed to ground it in that as well. So when I first saw the raw model back in the summer of I'd say 2022, is when I thought that this is a game changer in terms of the search category. Aside from everything else that I'm excited about, because I do care about Azure having these APIs even. So we've been at it. In fact, I'll never forget my first query I did on the model, which I think sort of for me as growing up, you know, I always felt like if only I could read Rumi, translated into Urdu, transliterated into English. That was my dream. I just put that in as one long query. And it was magical to see it generated. And I said, man, this is different. And uh, you could have, I mean, I could have programmed mm-hmm. it, done some multi-turn. That was things. your first
0: query? That was the query. You that are changed- one of the classiest people I've ever met in my entire life. I mean, <laughs> that's like a very complicated. It is just one of the, Lorca. I mean, people yeah. are like, well,
1: look, poetry is great,
0: man. Uh, I mean, I, I buy it. My first query was like, are you alive? <laughs> uh, so that's where I would have gone. So you, you run this query, right, to translate. Uh, Remy is an Indian poet. Uh, Push. For, Persian uh, into across two languages, and you receive the response and you think, okay, this is a product, or this is a product with revenue possibility, or this is a product with market share possibility.
1: Yeah, I mean, like all things, one of the things that I think about is Indian platform shifts, the two things have to happen. You have to retool pretty much every product of yours, mm-hmm. right? So you got to rethink it, whether it's on the way you build it, what its core features are. Uh, like, it's kind of like, you know how microsoft had to pivot uh, for the cloud right which mm-hmm. is you had to rethink exchange it was not an exchange server it was exchange as a service or what we had to do with you know our server infrastructure we had to rebuild essentially a new core stack in azure so every time with transitions you have to essentially rewrite it that's mm-hmm. kind of how i i think about it you also have to think about the business model sometimes these transitions are pretty harsh i'll tell you the last transition from having you know the high share server business with great gross margins and saying, hey, the new business is called cloud and it's going to have one fourth the margins is like the new news Mm -hmm. was pretty harsh. So we made it. (laughs) Whereas in here, I look at this, there are two things. One is it's absolutely new tech, but it builds on cloud. right? So that's one place where we already have relevance. And so there is the next generation of cloud. And second, in search, the economics are interesting, uh, which is we already have a profitable business but with very little share. And so every day, I just want a few users and a little bit more gross margin. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I did see, I think, a tremendous opportunity for us to make some real progress here.
0: So the model right now, the uh, uh, last thing is an $11 billion a year revenue business, something like that?
1: Something like that. I think Amy is going to talk about it. I don't know how she wants yeah. to talk about it. Yeah. An
0: incredible hobby. I wish I had an $11 billion a year hobby. You want to grow that into a real business, you want to take share. but. Obviously, the new technology does not have the same cost structure as the old search query, right? I'm sure that whatever you're doing with OpenAI, it's more compute intensive, and then obviously you have a partner sitting in the middle of it. And then the monetization model is still search ads, right? It's direct response search ads. But as you bring more and more content on the screen, that model might change, or the price of those ads might change.
1: It's so wonderful. I mean, just think about what you just said. You said, okay, here is, The largest software category where Mm -hmm. we have the smallest share and what you just painted out is an unbelievable picture of incremental GM. If Steve Ballmer saw that, (laughs) he would have like lit up (laughs) and said, oh my God, very few times in history do opportunities like that show up where you suddenly can start a new race Mm
0: -hmm.
1: with a base where every day is incremental GM for you uh, and someone else has to play to protect it all,
0: every user and all the GM. So I want to wrap up with two questions here. One, I just want to come back to this. I think you are going to face a lot of scrutiny from publishers, creators, other website owners, saying, hey, that is our training data. You're already seeing it, right? Getty is suing a handful of the image generation AI companies saying, hey, you're generating results with our watermark in it, right? This is obviously ours. So I'm curious if you have a view of the potential IP risk on the downside or on the positive side of how to grow and keep the ecosystem vibrant?
1: I mean, on the search side, I'm very, very clear. The search category is about fair use so that we can generate traffic back to publishers. And so that's sort of, we want to stay, very and is that quick, a KPI that you're keeping track of traffic
0: you're sending 100%. out?
1: 100%. Like, I mean, that's the only way our bots are not going to be allowed to crawl search if we are uh, not driving traffic. That, I think, is the core of the category. In other places, again, it'll have to be really uh, thought through as to what mm-hmm. what is the fair use. And yeah. then sometimes, I think there'll be some legal cases that will also have to create precedent. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't think this any of this can be done without a framework of law that governs it, and ultimately, financial incentives that benefit. If anything, I look at this and say, God, is this something where the fact that there's going to be more com- competition can really help publishers get more monetization, advertisers get better returns for their investment, and users have more choice?
0: All right. I want to end with a question that I think is the most important question. Well, you have described a transformational moment in the largest software category in the world. You said it. Obviously, there's a moment of increased competition against the dominant player. What was it like in the room when you decided to stick with the Bing brand? Right, there had to been a slide with like 50 options. I'm assuming it's Microsoft. There's some passionate back and forth (laughs) debate. Eventually, someone decides. Was it you who decided? Yeah, we wanted to call it Azure Search 2023. (laughs) Xbox Live Search. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, no, go or or bring back Clippy. And, yeah. You now yeah. no, look, it's not a, really, interestingly enough, it was not much of a discussion because we felt, look, we've been, we love Bing, we have been at it, I was there the day of launch <laughs> of Bing, I worked on it. But it has a lot of baggage as a brand. Look, brands can be rebuilt as long mm-hmm. as there's innovation. I, I think the brands are only as good as the product and
0: as good as the innovation, and so we're going to go work it. And that was your choice? Absolutely. Well, Sasha, thank you so much for talking today. It was really exciting to see all the new stuff. I'm eager to see how it grows in the future. Thank you so much. Thanks again to and Della for taking the time to talk today. And thank you for listening to Decoder. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, I'd love to hear what you think of the show. You can email us at decoder at or hit us up directly on Twitter. We're at DecoderPod. If you like Decoder, please share it with your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you really like the show, hit us with that five-star review. Decoder is a production of The Verge and part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today's episode was produced by Creighton Simone, Jackie McDermott, Viren Pavic, and Becca Versace, who was edited by Callie Wright. The Decoder music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Our editorial director is Brooke Minters, and our executive director is Eleanor Dunn. We'll see you next time.